This device isn't a spaceship. It's a time machine. Goes backwards, forwards. It takes us to a place where we ache to go again. It's not called the wheel. It's called the carousel. Hello and welcome to the Carousel Podcast. This is Isaac Simpson, your host. I am here today with Joe Rogers, who is director of the print magazine for Bitcoin Magazine, which we have here. Hello, Joe. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah. Well, so this magazine is very beautiful and it's actually very cool. Also, like here's one with Sam Bankman Fried on the front. You got a Julian Assange on the front. Like you have an El Salvador issue. It's it's surprising to me, like how relevant this magazine is. You have millions of followers on Twitter. Um, so why don't I like hear about this more? You know, it seems like everybody should be reading this. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Um, so. I guess the way to put it is Bitcoin Magazine, uh, we're like a really old startup. We we started back in like 2013 or so making a print magazine. And at the time, back in the day, um, it was a monthly publication. And um, they did that for probably like four years. And then they figured out that print's dead. And we went <laughs> website only, uh, like the way of many publications. And back in 2021, um, we brought our new publisher back on board, Mike Germano. He's ex-Vice Media. And he said, I'm not coming over there to work with you guys unless the print magazine comes back. So that was like one of his ultimatums. So he planted a flag and um, he asked me to kind of run that business for him. So we brought it back from the dead. So um, I guess the the reason why is because it's kind of like we re- we have rebooted this product. Um our our primary fo- like our big revenue generator is our conference and our Twitter handle and web and so this is kind of a new business unit for us and it it only comes out once every quarter but as you know Isaac I mean it is super high quality the the materials are great the the stories are not only about Bitcoin we cover a lot of adjacent topics like we were on the front lines whenever the Canadian trucker movement was happening we called out SBF last Christmas. Uh, so we've been there. We've been we've been planting the flag and um, shooting some shots. And the commentary is very relevant. But yeah, man, we're just grinding and growing slowly. We're around ten thousand subscribers uh, quarterly. So it, it's grinding. It's growing. Uh, we're we're on Barnes and Noble's bookshelves. And hey, that's good. It's a, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you know what? The the uh, circulation of the Paris Review, the fanciest uh, literary magazine in the world, is ten thousand also. So you're already doing better than uh, the you know mainstream literature. And no, I mean it seems like this is such an opportunity to do something really vicey. Um, and you guys uh, got sued though. You just told me. So what what happened there? Yeah. So in our uh, last magazine that came out uh, this summer. I can't remember from if this one came in yet. It's the withdrawal issue. Yeah, uh, I think I, I remember got uh, earlier this year there were some withdrawal issues from banks, First Republic Bank, and uh, me. I, this is my bank account. It was at, at First Republic. Okay, well, this is hilarious. Uh, we we uh, 
we actually put this no CBD sign in front of First Republic in San Francisco. And on the back, there was a literal like tent pitched in front of it. It's like, <laughs> so um, okay. So anyway, yeah, we, inside the magazine on, on page 21, that's like a power number in Bitcoin world uh, is number 21. We did this awesome piece of art called Fed Now, which Fed Now is the Fed CBDC, Central Bank Digital Currency. This is how the Fed's going to spy on everything that we do in America, right? That's the, the name of their currency, Fed Now. Yeah, that's the name of the program. It's like their interbank uh, lending program. It's called Fed Now. <laughs> that's um, hilarious. It's terrible. It's so it's like they called it that. Yeah, yeah and their logo is terrible. So anyway, our, our designer Annabelle, she made this uh, great parody of it put the all seeing eye in the o um we started making very stupid print on demand t-shirts that ah. just say fed now nothing fancy yeah, yeah and they send us a, a very nasty uh cease and desist they don't want that our readers to think that they're associated with us which if you read bitcoin magazine you know that like we live to destroy the fed so like it's so fucking hilarious that the fed this like uh government institution air quote would come after us this like doing some print on demand t-shirts a total parody of them making fun of them uh so yeah they, they came after us last week and uh we we sent them a letter back saying we're not going to stop we're going to fight them in court uh for free speech and parody yeah well that's got to be parody i mean that had isn't that parody like obvious parody fair yeah i mean like they they said that it's the word mark itself so the actual letters fed now that's um, like their IP. They're Which saying is, it's a trademark. They're, yeah, they're saying it's a trademark violation. So there's yeah. like not the parody. I'd have to. So this is actually what I studied in law school. This exact thing. So I really should know. Well, I did it in copyright though, and I'm a little fuzzy on parody of trademark. It's like a little bit of a different thing. So it yeah. seems like that's like what they're claiming. They probably like. They might be right. Yeah, uh, but from our point of view, it's like well. We are not associated with you, with you at all. That's quite offensive that you would even say that. Anyone right. who reads our magazine or knows our brand, we shit on the Fed daily. Like that, like it's it's absurd for them to try to say that um, we're making money by being associated with them. It's clearly mocking them. That's why the all seeing eye is. And yeah, anyway, exactly. yeah, it's cool. I'm jacked up. It, it just happened last week. Talk about a happy Friday. It's like man, bucket list, Isaac. You get sued by the Yeah. <laughs> That's a, you but know, you're doing something right. Or, right. Yeah. What's going on with the Fed right now? So it's, 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 uh, who is it? It's, is it Janet Yellen again? Well, she's Treasury Secretary. Oh, oh. Who is Jerome it? Powell. Who is it? Jerome Powell. Oh, it's Jerome Powell. Yeah. Right. It's yeah. Jerome Powell. And he's, what do you, is, are we happy with the interest rates? Is this good? Is this bad? I mean, like, where are we at with the Fed right now? Dude, fuck the Fed. Are you fuck crazy? The, the most evil yeah. institution in the world, on the earth. There's nothing more vile and corrupt and evil. Um, you're gonna like open up, like open up that open into question to me. I mean, like, I just it nothing pisses me off more. Um, and that this is like something that gets me so triggered by the dissidents. It's you know, we always talk about our guys and the culture war and the fight and it's the aesthetics and like everything is so fucking based and good. Yeah. And like at the end of the day, the one thing it's like failure to even recognize is the fucking dollar. It's the slave money. It's the yeah. enemy's money. Yeah. Like this is the thing. Like, 
And what is the, anyway, what we're fired up about Bitcoin is like, there's a working alternative that they can't fucking touch. Um, so anyway, that that's what I'm excited about is like, how can we bring our guys closer to freedom money and not this fucking slave money? So, but are they going to not be able to touch it? Like, are they going to find some way? I mean, you know, I already they're shutting down, uh, you know, the banks chase is shutting down ability to use Coinbase and stuff in, in England. Like, are they going to find a way to just own it? Yeah. I mean, they're going to try everything they can. Like who wants to bend the knee to power? Who wants to give power away? And I would say not the fed, not the yeah. New York bankers. Yeah, right. You know, not not the Rothschilds, not all the motherfuckers who actually run the shit. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they're going to do everything they can. And like, we're still in peacetime Bitcoin. We're not in wartime Bitcoin. They haven't started labeling us as terrorists. They have been trying to label Bitcoiners as like environmental terrorists and bullshit like that about energy usage. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But yeah. also like, what can they do to stop it? They can make it very difficult. They can label us things. But as long as the internet continues to function bitcoiners will find a way bitcoin still works and if if the u.s makes it more difficult isaac bitcoiners and that intellectual property will go to a more friendly jurisdiction so it's like it's literally whoever's going to be the friendliest and most peaceful to bitcoin and welcoming and most profitable energy and resources will flow there so like, what can they do? Like, what are they going to try? Like, what what moves do they have? Because obviously they can, you know, own all the bank accounts and and restrict access to the crypto markets. They've did whatever happened to JP. Didn't JP Morgan try to have its own cryptocurrency? Whatever happened to all of the banks is like the retail banks. The, yeah. The, what happened to that? The CBDCs are coming. The CD, CBDCs are going to be their version of blockchain. Um, so yeah, like they're, they're flagging accounts that are buying on Coinbase and they're doing all kinds of things to make it very difficult already. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of people whose bank accounts for like bank of America, for example, um, get canceled without reason. If they have anything, uh, kind of like sketchy on any kind of exchanges or even like peer to peer transactions. So like the state's already doing what it wants to do to like, uh, try to, um, direct behavior and that sort of thing. So what can they do? They will continue to make it more difficult. They will roll out the centralized digital currency. They will start censoring and watching transactions. We will get social credit score in the U S. Um, but like on the flip side, like the alternative that I'm hopeful for, and this is a very long shot is like Bitcoin is an American idea. Bitcoin is freedom technology. Bitcoin could actually help the dollar, which I mean, like, fuck the Fed, right? But like the Fed and Treasury needs buyers of Treasury and they need an asset that's going to go up in value to buy the fucking Treasuries with. Right. And that could yeah. be Bitcoin. Bitcoin right. could actually fill that void because it's digitally scarce. It will go up in value forever, presumably, as long as more people want it. So it, it becomes like this perfect asset to buy treasury. So in a weird sense, Bitcoin could be something that could save the dollar. It could definitely make it stronger, but it would just mean the um, you know, US government or banks would have to adopt some kind of Bitcoin standard 
Um, but it would be a, a Bitcoin would be a fantastic asset for these banks to put on their balance sheets because as demand rises, uh, due to like uh, bank reserve, I'm, I hope I'm not getting too nerdy, but like bank no, reserve. No, no, no. I want you to get nerdy on this actually because this is something they, that- they have to have something that backs uh, in dollars what their assets are. And so Bitcoin would be that perfect asset to have on their balance sheets where they would have, have to buy a lot of treasuries. So in a weird way, Bitcoin could be a great thing to save the dollar or at least let it survive another 50 years. But um, versus it just becoming this completely pretend fake currency that has no meaning, no actual value, right? At all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so tell me, you know, like, how did you discover the fuck the Fed thing? Like, and explain it to me like I'm five years old. Like, why fuck the Fed? How did you come to this understanding yourself? Because I think, I mean, you came from kind of the world of normal business, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, before I was doing this, I was a uh, IT sales guy for Hewlett Packard. It sold servers for a decade. Um, but man, back in like 2008, I was one of those Ron Paul guys. Okay, I was at, okay. I was audit the Fed. I was in college during his first go around and- I was like this, like, I just grew up hating Bush. I'm like, dude, fuck this war. Like, why, why are we, what, what is this? What, not alone is inside job. I was like that guy, you know, watching John Stewart every day. Um, and very easy to just like hate the war. Like, fuck that. This is bullshit. And then no bomb comes, his hope changed. And I'm like, I think I like this guy. And then I heard Ron Paul and I was like, whoa, what the fuck is this? Like, I've never heard this libertarianism. I never heard about freedom like this. So I went down the rabbit hole of, uh, sound money with Ron Paul. So I was predisposed to like gold and like hard money. And so it was very easy to like understand Bitcoin. Not at first, not like, you know, it always takes a, a you never get it the first time you hear Bitcoin, you think that's got to be a scam. Uh, but several years later did finally get it in like 2017. It finally made sense. Um, so yeah, I was predisposed to it from, you know, Ron Paul and audit fed in the fed. So I don't mean to put you on the spot, but I want to like build this out because this is something that a lot of people hear, but I don't think they understand. So okay. what Ron Paul is a libertarian leader from where is he from? Like from the eighties, he was a presidential candidate. No. Uh, yeah. Right. But he's, he's a Senator from. Somewhere. No, he's a representative from Houston, Texas. Oh, oh, representative. Texas. Okay. I'm thinking of his son, Rand Paul. He's from, yeah, he's from Kentucky. Oh, he's, right. Yeah. And they're both libertarians, right? Yeah. I mean, but they're both Republicans. Yeah. They're both Republicans. Because they would like to get elected. So what was it about? And, you know, this is a big part of the anarchy movement is Ron Paul and Rand Paul. Like these guys are part of that. What was it about what they were saying? Like, what were they saying that was so compelling? You know, I, it wasn't Rand Paul. It definitely was Ron Paul. Yeah. Um, and sorry, I, yeah, Ron Paul, yeah, sorry. Yeah, it was like specifically, um, he was talking about non-interventionist foreign policy and like our founders and like um, the whole idea that there's going to be blowback if you occupy a country for 20 fucking years. There's going to be negative consequences. And then just like, how are all these bases paid for and maintained? Having 140 bases around the earth just didn't make a lot of sense to me. And then you go down the rabbit hole, it's like, well, how is it actually being funded? How is it being paid for? And it's like, well, it's the dollar. And like, well, where's the dollar getting this power? And like, how are dollars created? 
You know, like these are very like weird things that you're not taught. Like, what is a dollar? What is money? Like, that's a really hard question. And you, everyone has a different answer. Like, what is money, Isaac? I don't want to put you on the spot, but like, it's, you probably have thought money about. is like, it's basically an IOU, right? It's like, it's just like, a, it's is like it, a thing that saying definition? that I owe you like a, a lump of gold. That's like $1, right? I mean, it's it, like that's a representation of like time yeah. and money and like, it's a yeah. unit of work and like has all these different meanings, right? Things. right. Wait, so it's very complex. Currency, thing. right? It's a currency and it, it's, it's, but I mean, it dates back, like, I, I don't know, but I assume it dates back genuinely like a coin. It dates back to coins. And what was a coin? A coin was like a, it was like a, was it an IOU that said like, I owe you a certain amount of gold at like a later oh, no, point? No, 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 no. Coins were first and then IOUs were paper. Were the paper, paper. for the coins. I get it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's that's supposed- all. Paper like solved some problems that gold isn't very good at, which is being divisible and being able to easily be transported. So paper made that a lot easier. But then, of course, you got fractional reserves. So then you've got printing more paper than the actual gold that's in the vault. So then like you open up a whole new can of worms. There's just all kinds of fucking problem with money today. Well, but so what is money? What's your answer to what money is? Oh, uh, I don't know. It's probably something along the lines of like the most sellable good. So something that everyone wants and it can like, you will, everyone like understands it and they will be willing to trade things for this most sellable good. And it's so sellable that we can, we can measure things with this sellable good. Um, that's probably really bad. I haven't been asked this question. No, it's time, an interesting so. way to put it. I mean, I, you know, like uh, civilization is built around the idea of shared value. So the West was won by a bunch of people deciding that this shiny metal was worth something, right? If they, if they, if everybody hadn't agreed that the the gold coming out of the ground was worth something, society would have never grown because that was the pillar that everybody agrees. Like, okay, I'm going to do this. You're going to do this. We're going to exchange, right? And I think you're just saying that's what money is. It's like the pillar around which society it's is It's like built. the most ultimate meme besides like religion. It's yeah. money. Like yeah. Yeah. name something that people understand. Well, you might not understand like what money is, but you understand you want it. You understand that you can go to 7-Eleven and buy coffee for it. You can right. buy a house for it. You know, like you... These things I understand. The meme is, um, you know, it grows pretty pretty well. Money does. Uh, but I mean, this money that we have, it's got a lot of flaws. And, you know, I think that it's it's a, in its current form, the current US dollar, I mean, I mean, it is, if you want to talk about the societal problems, the culture war, everything that like, I think guys on our side see the problems of the world, if you go back to first principles, this shit is only possible because of soft money. It's only because their guys have the printing press and their their bankers and their arms are closer to the printing press. And you call that, that benefit's called the Cantillion effect. It's people who get a benefit when they're closest to the printing press. They benefit yeah. before the money makes its way out into the mass. They're able to do things and take advantage of rates and like build on the money before it's devalued. 
as it's printed. The so, Cantillion uh, process. Yeah, yeah. And it's like anything is like that, right? Like the closer you are to the source of something, the more of that thing you inevitably just like get, right? It's like, that's why bankers are bankers. It's like money for them is it's just flowing out all over the place. Of course, they're going to like get more of it basically, right? Well, I mean, the way the banking system in the US is they create it. They just can, they take it and they fractional and just... They create money over and over and over again. It's in, right. it's absolutely, absolutely insane. But I mean, like the first principles, I'm you could throw any societal issue, and I think that you could you could back into first principles that it's the money. And so, like, just for an example, Isaac, you know, let's talk about obesity in America. Well, it's literally fiat food, fiat money, um, food money's broken. Uh, people are unable to afford more expensive things. So they buy shitter, shittier things. And it just all kind of like trickles down from the money supply being broken and the incentives are broken. And, the, and if I was going to expand on it a bit more, just to make it a, a bit more clear is like when you have hard money, um, all deci decisions change. When you have a very weak money, you are incentivized to spend that money. There's no incentive to save that money because it would devalue over time. Whenever that happens, you have a society where you don't have long-term thinking. You don't, you aren't building civilization. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're really thinking like a politician in a two-year cycle or four-year cycle and move on, churn and burn. You want to spend that money. You want to get it back in the cycle. You want to keep it going. When you have hard money, you're more intentional and thoughtful about what you're going to build. You're going to build something that'll last another thousand years. You're not going to throw up a, a metal siding building made with fiat money, you're going to build something out of brick or marble or stone. So it's like, it has big unintended consequences just when it comes down to the root money unit itself. Wow. So yeah, that's a very fascinating way to put it. It's like, yeah, the, the, the uh, weak men make bad times of like the ugliness of modern buildings, you know, these low mo horrible, shitty, lowest, bitter buildings and the food you're saying is all kind of a reflection of the cheapness of money. You, you called it a uh, soft money versus hard money. So what does that mean? What's the difference there? Yeah. The, um, hard money would come from the idea of hardness, like gold, um, gold is hard, obviously. Um, gold is hard to produce. Um, it takes energy to go pull the gold out of the earth, explore earth, mine it, refine it, make it into bars, transport it, secure it, you know, all these things. Uh, soft money would be like paper. You can print it. It's very soft. It's very easy. You hit a button and it, it prints them out. Um, and so it's, it's almost two kind of mentalities, hard, hard money mentality, soft money mentality, but uh, like I said, the, the soft money has really corrupted all the things in our society in the West in a very bad way. When it comes to all the arts, everything that's happening in education, when it comes to health and nutrition, comes to church and civilization, it's it's literally the one switch to hard money. It wouldn't happen overnight, but it would happen. If we were on a hard money standard, would you be blowing your money on this is so dumb. I'm just going to say it like plastic Tupperware that breaks after two years, or you're going to spend a little a fraction more money on like glass or something that will last 10 years. You know, like that's one tiny, like stupid example. I just thought off the top of my head, but like 
everything you do, you're going to think, well, I want to spend my money most wisely because I know it's going to appreciate in value over time rather than decrease in value over time. It, it just tons of crazy consequences. And that that's that would be, I would say, the big difference between hard and soft money. Got it. So, okay. So um, very fascinating. What is the Fed? Tell us what, what is the Fed? What is the fractional Fed? What, what, what does that actually mean? Yeah. So, so the Fed is the Federal Reserve. Um, I'm going to pull out my tinfoil hat and put it on, (laughs) you know, like some people roll their eyes. A lot of your listeners probably already know, but the Federal Reserve is the uh, central bank of the United States. Um, some people will roll their eyes, but the Federal Reserve is a private bank. It's not a federal agency. Um, and they control uh, the creation of money in the United States. They have a unique relationship with the um, United States Treasury. So the Treasury um, is the like bank. They're the one who collect tax receipts in the United States. And they're the ones who spend the budget for the U.S., the Department of Treasury. Um, and whenever they need dollars, they go buy dollars from the Federal Reserve, from this private bank. And what's pretty fascinating is that every dollar that we buy from the Fed, we have to pay back to the Fed with interest. Um, and by the way, we have like $33 trillion of debt right now. Um there's just no mathematical way to get to pay back all the interest to service the loans and the budget that we have in the United States. So we're literally slaves to this private bank, the Federal Reserve. And the Federal Reserve, um, they have a couple mandates it's to keep unemployment rate at a certain percentage. And they also have a target rate for inflation, which is around 2%. This is their mandate from Congress. And so everything that they do is supposed to be to achieve a low employment rate. I forget the number. I think it's like less than 8%. And then for our inflation rate to be around 2%. And anyone who isn't uh, high knows that inflation rate is probably more realistic, closer to like 15% or higher. Although they're reporting it's like less than 8% right now, which is just false. And I will say, the reason I say that is because inflation um, that the Fed reports is based off a basket of goods. Um, and they control what goes into that basket over time. They change what goes into the basket. So they like are able to change what makes up what's in it. There should be like a gift. You should be able to like buy the basket of goods and like give it like as like a Christmas present, you know what I mean? Like like whatever the Fed. (laughs) It's like um was a pound of ribeye like 20 years ago yeah. and now it's a pound of ground beef so they've uh, changed it was like prime wow. choice oh dude i didn't know this this is fucking fast if you look up the um if you get a chance the chapwood index the chapwood index tracks the original basket of goods so it tracks like <laughs> this is awesome chapwood index okay dude sick man sick i'm gonna so like do this Okay, okay, uh, one, more, one more nugget for you then. I'll shut okay. up about the Fed. No, 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 keep going. So, so like something, the Fed used to be on a gold standard. So like every dollar in circulation was backed by a piece of gold. Like you could, gold gold uh, coins were in circulation, silver coins. You probably remember the the like um, bank robber scenes. They have bags of silver coins. Yeah. They used to be in circulation. 
and uh, you could take dollars, paper dollars into the bank and get gold coins and silver coins from your regular bank. You could walk out with silver bullion coins. Uh, but in 1971, we went off of the gold standard, um, officially severing the U.S.'s hard money reliance. It was strictly we went from gold backing to no gold backing whatsoever. Uh, so another really fun website that you absolutely must check out is WTF happened in 1971.com. And uh, this is run by a couple of Bitcoiners, but this uh, website has probably like 50 plus charts on it. Yeah. And it shows you price changes since 1971, uh, health, health changes. You know how I was talking about health and like all the things. It shows you degradation of society, measurable changes in a bad way since 1971. Because it all goes back to the gold standard. That's yeah. that's the argument is that yeah. hard money went out the window and then society started degrading. And what, what's the reason for that? Because basically the Fed just started giving money to whoever it wanted and there was no fairness anymore i mean like what what's the actual reasoning the premise behind it they went off of it was like the Bretton Bretton woods agreement uh yeah. it was during nixon so like i think that there was some crazy uh inflation happening in, in the economy and um they literally just started printing more than they had and they just ended the gold window uh, so that's what happened and also and then in the 80s we had a huge um our uh fed secretary time was volcker we had double-digit inflation, double-digit rates. So we're not even into the 1980s rates yet that we're seeing from the Fed. Right now, like, yeah, we're feeling some pain. We're seeing the markets, real estate starting to come down. But they had double-digit double digit rates in the 80s. Hmm. And uh, if you look up something called the Plaza Accord, the Plaza Accord uh, happened in like 84. Uh, like eight of the world's central bankers got together and they met. Uh, I think it was in Italy and they, they went into a secret room and they made debt go away with the stroke of a pen. They reset rates and balances for each other, which is just fucking insane, man. Money is <laughs> how we coordinate all things, all commerce, everything in life is coordinated around money. And whenever you have this institution that can just create money out thin air, they can strike it and make it go away. Whenever there's debts, it distorts pricing and it it, it it distorts reality. It changes everything. And that no one should have this power. Right. It should just be like nobody should have that type of power, pretty much. Well, that, I, I would say so. Like, it would be one thing if they did it and there was full transparency. Yeah. Like, how many were in circulation? How much gold that we actually have? Like, what is in the Fed's balance sheet? We don't have any of that. Wow. So that, that, that distorts the reality. That's what uh, Ron Paul and his son, Rand Paul, Rand Paul just put another piece of legislation to audit the Fed. It won't go anywhere, obviously, but it's awesome that they're saying it. But um, that's that's like why Bitcoiners do what they do is because Bitcoin is it's open source code that anyone can run on their computer around the world. Um, it verifies the complete supply of Bitcoin every 10 minutes when a new block is mined. Every 10 minutes, the rules are audited and checked by everyone who's running Bitcoin on their computer. You can never print more than 21 million Bitcoin ever, forever, in perpetuity. If you do, it's no longer Bitcoin. It's a shit coin. Um, so, I mean, like it has, it solves so many of these problems that we're dealing with, you know. Well, on because it's a counterbalancing weight, right? I mean, that's that's why. It's because it, not only is it a counterbalancing weight, but it is actually rooted in scarcity 
Whereas the other, whereas the Fed money is not actually rooted in, in scarcity because they can just print however much they want, whatever. Right there. I mean, it's yeah. by design. It's it's yeah. designed to pump forever in quantity. It has to. Yeah. Like the fiat money system that we have, it must continue to expand forever because right. it's a debt-based money. That's the only way that it grows. And you're, you're taught your whole life like, oh, well, we have to grow. Inflation has to go up. Like prices have to go up. That's good. And like, well, no, fuck you. <laughs> that isn't good. I want prices to go down. That's better for me. Yeah. Uh, but need a like deflationary or uh, scarce money. And like Bitcoin, which is pretty interesting, um, we use this thing called stock to flow ratio. That's like how much stock is out there and how much is created each year. And if you take the total supply of Bitcoin, it's like 18 and a half million units uh, are in circulation currently today. So there's 21 million total. So what, two and a half million left to be mined. Um, Right now, if that stock to flow ratio of how much is created each year, it's a higher ratio than gold, uh, which means that gold um, is pulled out of the earth at a slower rate than Bitcoin is mined relative to the supply. Now, curiously, what happens next year, whenever something has a low stock flow ratio, that means it's very it's more scarce than something else. Mm-hmm. Uh, next year, uh, something kind of cool happens. It's called the Bitcoin halving. That is that the amount of Bitcoin that's mined every day is cut in half. So it's going to go from uh, 6.5 blocks per or 6.25 blocks uh, Bitcoin per blocks to 3.125. So the amount of Bitcoin, there's going to be the same amount of demand for it next year. Um, but, but the, the amount of supply is going to be cut in half. Mathematically, this is going to happen approximately in April. When that happens, Bitcoin will have the hardest stock to flow ratio of any money. It would be more hard than gold. So we could see some interesting dynamics play out with that. Sorry for the tangent. No. So, so why is the having happening again? Every 210,000 blocks or approximately every four years, Bitcoin's uh, block reward gets cut in half. Oh, uh, it's okay. just, it's programmatic. And the reason for that was whenever the white paper was written by Satoshi, the idea was to bootstrap the network and incentivize people to get more Bitcoin early on. And over time, less and less will be created. Right. I see. Okay. Yeah. So it's like a slow bootstrapping mechanism. Mechanism. Yeah. Right. Um, so uh, what year is all the Bitcoin going to be mined by? Uh, based off the numbers, uh, it's around 2140. Well, but isn't it necessarily, isn't it finite? Why would it not be, shouldn't it be fine? Like, shouldn't it, it doesn't, isn't it set up in the system from the beginning? Because it's always rotating. The new blocks are being minted, new blocks are being minted, right? So it's like, yeah, yeah. should be able to predict. It is able to predict. Um, Yeah. And the reason I say about, uh, so I think the first question you have is like, uh, there is only 21 million units, period. Like That's fact. Um, and every block that's mined, which is around once every 10 minutes, yeah. uh, n- additional Bitcoin from that 21 million is brought into supply. So yeah. they're constantly being added to the circulating supply. So after um, the year 2140, so many blocks will have happened and so many halvings. There's 33 halving epochs, 33 block, 20, 33 time periods 
of 210,000 blocks that happened before the last like little speck of a Bitcoin would be mined as a subsidy. I hope that answered your question. And the reason that you say an approximate time is that as more people start mining Bitcoin, as more energy gets thrown at Bitcoin, uh, Bitcoin blocks are found sooner. Um, oh, but like slight, ever so slightly sooner because there's more, <laughs> there's more guesses. There's more guesses in the in the right. system. Right. But there, but the, one of the most novel things in Bitcoin yeah. is called the difficulty adjustment. Dude, Isaac, it's so fucking insane. The game <laughs> this. So once every two weeks or 2016 blocks, uh, Bitcoin's difficulty will adjust. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Stronger or softer. So right. if like, Whenever China banned Bitcoin, Bitcoin mining fell off a cliff by like 50% difficulty overnight. The commies were like, fuck no. It went offline. So blocks, it took a long period. That two-week window took like three weeks. It took long. After that, Bitcoin adjustment went down and we were back to 10-minute blocks. So like, if there's like continuous periods of like upward difficulty, that could be pulled in by years. Right, from 20 right, 40, right, but that's an approximate time frame. Got it. Okay. I hope that made sense. No, it makes sense. I mean, it makes sense to me because I, I know about this. I'm sure for many people listening, it makes no sense at all. But right, they the they fun? need to they need to read about fucking Bitcoin and see how it works. I mean, it's a it's an amazing and a beautiful mechanism. It's absolutely incredible. Um, so where are you at with the other cryptos? I mean, like, <clears throat> well, what do you think about Ethereum and you know, uh, uh, the other ones. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to be mean to you, but it's like uh, there's Bitcoin and then there's shitcoin. Yeah. And what I mean by that is uh, no other cryptocurrency, no other shitcoin is truly decentralized like Bitcoin. They all have founders. They all have marketing teams. They're pumping, dumping. Um, Ether- our friends at Ethereum... Uh, their blockchain has been rolled back. So if you have a decentralized blockchain that can be rolled back to make transactions not happen on the blockchain, you don't have a decentralized blockchain. It's a fucking false. And they did VC funding pumping of Ethereum pre-sales before they even launched it. So like, there's a lot of red flags with Ethereum, which is the second largest market cap uh, shitcoin out there. Um, So yeah, like all these these coins are designed to steal your Bitcoin. That's would it be thinking. possible to, because in order to roll back Ethereum, you have to vote, right? There's some sort of voting. Everybody has to vote to do it. And that's how uh, some, it splits or whatever, when you have to do. Yeah, you could have like a fork. Yeah, fork, right. But yeah, so they, they forked, they forked. They fork, yeah. Yeah. And they called it Ethereum Classic. Yeah. And, and Ethereum, and Ethereum Classic runs the old blockchain, but it's a right. super minority. Um, it's essentially for Ethereum, they had enough exchanges get on board. Binance got fucking hacked. Okay. Yeah. And then Binance calls Vitalik and Ethereum and all the devs and cries like a little bitch yeah. and they rolled it back for him. And that's so fucked so up. That was the rollback. What you're referring yeah. to, the, the fork was the rollback, right? But right. it wasn't actually, a, was it a roll? Yeah, it was a rollback because- Rollback, they made transactions yeah. go away. They made transactions go away on the, yeah. On the, the old the old chain still exists though, right? It's yeah, just- Ethereum Cash is still out there, but again, it's yeah. a minority. In yeah. fact, um, Ethereum Cash still runs like on proof of work algorithm and Ethereum is now uh, proof of stake. 
right <clears throat> which is a centralized bullshit proof of stake is centralized bullshit absolutely so why is proof of stake central it proof bitcoin is proof of work right yeah proof of work meaning that um you have to expel energy in order to find a block on the blockchain with proof of stake you have people who have more than 2000 ethereum they can be what's called a staker and so power centralizes with these stakers and they get to uh, mine the blocks and your average Joe can't run a, a staking node if he doesn't have 2000 and participate uh, in the uh, block creation process. Yeah, right, right. It's just complete fucking bullshit, man. This is, this is fiat banking 2.0 um, with a big slimy smile on the front of it. I mean, it's, it's twisted and fucked up and it's designed to steal your Bitcoin. Like don't fucking sell your Bitcoin to any of these scammers and don't touch any of this other fucking bullshit. Don't touch these NFTs. Don't touch any of this. It's Bitcoin. That's it. Bitcoin or die. Mm, okay. I like it. I like it. Uh, what about like, um, so I will say I've had bad experiences with, with the Ethereum crowd. They, they don't seem like they mean. They're non-serious people. They don't they're, seem like they mean it. Yeah. They seem like they're kind of like woke bitches. Um, what about like USDC? I pay people in USDC. I probably shouldn't even say that. I pay people very little bits of money in USDC sometimes. What is? Yeah, the, is what do you think? What's USDC? Is that good? Is that bad? I mean, it's it's synthetic dollars. So yeah, it's just um, Ethereum dollars, right? It's like I don't. I don't yeah, know. I mean, it's uh, it's what we call stable coin. Um, so in the US, they've made it pretty clear. You know, we're talking about Fed now, which is like the US's CBDC. That's what banks are going to use to send money back and forth. Um, I mean, we already have CBDCs via these stable coins, which are synthetic dollars that are rolling on blockchains. Uh, so USDC is run by a company called Circle, um, and they put dollars or, or tokens that represent dollars on the Ethereum network and a bunch of other shitcoin networks, and they're able to beam dollars around um, on these these tokens, these synthetic dollars. Uh, but what so I think what you're gonna see here in the United States, uh, you're probably we probably won't see just like Fed now is going to be for banks to lend back and forth. Uh, but for retail, you're probably gonna see a bunch of competition between regional and national banks uh, for these stable coins. So you see USDC, PayPal is developing their own, PayPal coin, which is going to be a stable coin. It's going to be backed by the dollar. Um, I think Jim and I had one. So like there, there's been a couple, you have Tether. Maybe you've heard of Tether. Yeah, I've heard of Tether. Tether's not Tether. US based, but uh, what you're seeing is these stable coins, what is in their treasury and it's um, US treasuries make up the actual reserve for these dollars. So these stable coins are becoming buyers of U.S. treasuries, which is insane. U.S. government needs buyers of treasuries. No one fucking wants them, uh, but they're finding a market demand for them via From these stable coins. Stable coins, yeah. So, so, what is a stable coin? Stable, as in stable, pegged to the value of a dollar. Like one token unit of a stable coin would equal one U.S. dollar. But how do they peg it like that? Like, how does Circle peg? How do they create a stable coin? Presumably, they would create they buy a dollar for every treasuries. Yeah, they have a dollar backed up for every 
coin they buy like a hundred million dollar tranche of treasuries yeah and then they'd create a hundred million units yeah i got it so it's they they they, supposedly they should have that amount of but it's bonds that's what you mean by treasury right yeah 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 they should have that much amount of bonds backing up every single usdc they have so it should be pegged one to one right and in the u.s ones i think you'll see that they're regulated they're going to be they're going to fucking back them up yeah. Especially yeah. like someone like PayPal. PayPal is not going to fuck around. PayPal has entered the chat. Yeah. Um, but Love you're seeing PayPal, you're seeing balances. Pure evil, dude. Pure oh, evil. for sure. Dude, do you remember uh, last year when they were fucking charging people for wrong speak on Twitter? Yeah, dude. I, and it's I insane. abandoned PayPal. I was like, I'm never using this shit ever, ever again. But then, you know, this is the thing with money. It's like, oh, somebody needs me to pay them in PayPal. And I'm like, all right, I'll just fucking do it. You know, but I really should be more disciplined. I should just do everything in Bitcoin, basically. Right. I should just say no, everything Bitcoin. Bitcoin's open protocol. Um, Anyone can use it around the world. That's why it'll win. That's why, like, you see computer software. I know you're a big, like, Urbit guy. But that's why, like, open source is eating the world. And you see, like, Linux. Linux is eating the world software is eating the world because of open source and Bitcoin is the open source money. Um, so anyone can come in there. The thing that like, uh, there's a guy named Jack Mollers. He runs a company called strike and it's a just really quickly growing Bitcoin company, but he's, he tells it really well that uh, Bitcoin is two things. It's money and it's a network. Um, it's the best money and it's open source, but it also has, uh, the biggest open, most welcoming network, um, for money. And that, that's a big deal when it comes to money and adoption, because if you look at someone like Cash App or, or uh, Zelle or PayPal, they want to build a walled garden as big as they can. You can't send a PayPal to Cash App. They don't talk to each other. They're different protocols. Um, and that's why Bitcoin's going to eat their fucking lunch is because Bitcoin is open and it's in those companies' best interest to build Bitcoin uh, rails into their apps, into their programs, because it is an open protocol and anyone on the earth can speak the language it's open protocol right yeah um wow so I, you're you're selling uh you're doing a good job selling bitcoin for sure i mean it's making it just differentiating it from the other chains i mean why doesn't somebody just make another bitcoin chain though you know why doesn't somebody just make a exact replica they have they do it all the time like you can fork it right now you can make isaac coin and you can make 22 million coin if you want uh, the problem is no one gives a fuck about you and no one cares about your coin. They yeah. want the one with the most energy behind it, which right. is proof of work. And that's the original Bitcoin. Um, and so like if you were to make 22 million units or someone was to Isaac, like why in the fuck would anyone want that version of Bitcoin? Why would I want to dilute my amount of Bitcoin that I have? You know, like I would not vote for that. Um, and so what you see is that people follow the rules and everyone can voluntarily follow consensus, follow the rules that they want. It's rules, not rulers in Bitcoin. So um, people have forked it. They've made subtle changes. You may have heard the term the block size wars. This was back in 2018, uh, where Bitcoin forked. Uh, B- the Bitcoin cash fork changed. Um, they wanted bigger blocks, which means they wanted more transactions to fit into the blockchain. Um and so the the true believers, the Bitcoiners, fought against that, and so it prevailed. It's it's by orders of magnitude bigger in market cap and proof of work and everything else. Uh, the the real Bitcoin won. 
So, yeah. uh, but the answer is, yeah, you can fork it. You can change it all, all day. Yeah. 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 Just no one gives a fuck. So, uh, what do you know about Satoshi? Like, obviously most important person of our, of our time, basically. So like, who do we, are we ever going to find out who Satoshi is? I don't think so. Never. I don't, I don't think so. I think a lot of smart people have spent years thinking about it and doing research smarter than me. I've done no, no research because I'm not smart. So uh, lots smarter guys than me right. have spent a ton of time thinking about it and doing actual research. Um, and, you know, we've had people claim that they're Satoshi. In fact, yeah, in what US, happened to that? What was the story? Somebody claimed. I don't even want to say his name, uh, but yeah, he <laughs> lost in court. He sued someone for calling him a fraud and he lost in court and fuck that guy. Uh, but yeah, I think that there's like, uh, I think there's literally eight or nine cases in the United States for copyright people saying they're Satoshi. So like there's no shortage of people, but um, what Satoshi did is pretty fucking amazing to create something like this, have the wits to know the implications that it could have and then walk away and never to be heard from again. I mean, but come on, on his deathbed, right? I mean, give me a break. Deathbed, Satoshi, he's got to tell us, right? I mean, come on, is he going to be lost to history? Has that ever actually happened? Has there ever been anybody who just stayed anon, like till the very end forever? No, right? He could be dead already. Um, Right. Well, but I'm saying it's like history deserves to know posthumously who the guy is, right? I mean, like... Bitcoin is so divine... It's based in truth. Like it would make more sense to not happen. I mean, Bitcoin is such in line with like Christian values and um, <laughs> just the fact that like it's right, incorruptible right. in so many ways. Um, but I mean, it doesn't matter, right? I mean, like if he's dead, then it doesn't matter who he is. I mean, like, because, no. right? It doesn't matter. But also, if he was alive, it wouldn't matter now. He right, can't it change matter. it. He can't change it. He, now he did have, he did influence it early on. Of course he wrote the white paper and he was instrumental in development for the first two years, the actual code maintaining and merging changes on GitHub and that sort of thing. But uh, yeah, he, he did walk, walk away from the project completely never to be heard from again. Amazing. Yeah. It's amazing that he's out there somewhere and somebody knows, I mean, somebody has to know who the guy is and somebody has to know. And they're just, I mean, they, somebody's, um, they, they, it has to be revealed one day. There, there's a hardcore cypherpunk named uh, Hal Finney, and uh, Hal Finney. Yeah, how do I know he, this? What, so how he's got a neat story. He was uh, one of the early uh, crypto uh, cypherpunk mailing list guys. That's where Satoshi released the white paper. Right. This yeah. was like the only nerds on earth who would have a mailing list to talk about cryptography. Um, and anyway, Hal Finney read the white paper, and he was the first person to run Bitcoin besides Satoshi. Um, and how he did a bunch of code changes and he was the first one to like run the numbers and say how big the market cap of Bitcoin, it could easily be a million dollars per coin, uh, just based off global money, like the, the market of money itself, like how big he's the one who kind of like first called that, but kind of interesting about Hal is that, uh, one of the first ones to run it, uh, an early developer, one of the guys with the skill sets that could understand it and would have the skills to put all the pieces together. Um, but also how was a, um, how is cryogenically frozen? And so like, there's a conspiracy theory that um, if you've ever heard the term brain wallet, 
It's when you memorize your 12 words. So there's like a theory that if Hal is Satoshi, when they bring him off ice in the future, he had MS. When they figure out how to solve MS and unfall him, that he would have his brain wallet and he would have a million Bitcoin. But <laughs> I mean, that's, that's pretty, that's a wild theory. That's funny. It's a fun one. So, right. So it could be how it could be. Could be. Yeah. Okay. Then he's frozen. Um, wow. The, the, this is, uh, I'm glad, I'm glad we're finally doing this. I'm glad this is finally, uh, we've, we've reached this, uh, point on the podcast. I'm surprised that we haven't gotten here before. So how did you exit the longhouse yourself personally? I mean, like, how did you, Hewlett Packard sales guy, you know? Yeah, dude, I, I don't know. Grace of God, honestly, it's like, um, I was, I had Twitter accounts since 2008. I'm blaming Twitter on helping, you know, pill me properly. Um, but man, it's like, you just get on here and I have, I found my way into like this Bitcoin rabbit hole. And that's all that I've, I've, I've thought about for like three years. It just was everything to me. It was, it was the, the end all be all. It, was, it would solve all the world's problems. And then um, I swear, I it's so stupid. I'll just say it. But um, I've, I've came across a thread by Aristophanes, who's a, a right wing yeah. frog. And yeah, like he's... he's he is, man. He's he's awesome. He's written he's written for us the uh, past three issues. So we're trying to. Oh, bring yes. In, yeah, we're I trying didn't to bring know that. Fun. Yeah, what, and we have uh, we have you? a uh, op-ed from Schwab in the oh, last. Oh, nice. One. So nice. Yeah. we're bringing the boys over. Yeah, uh, you got to bring the boys over, man. We got to. But dude, gotta... I like. Here's the thing, I, I I discovered that Twitter is very useful whenever you find like a specific community, and so my community was the Bitcoiners, and it treated me very well. It was fulfilling. I was learning a lot. Um, but then I, through uh, Aristophanes, man, found right-wing, distant right Twitter. I didn't even know it was a thing, man. And then I literally just went on like following Rampage, totally changed the way I use Twitter, made me like a dissonant frog Twitter list. And um, my world certainly opened and expanded to that world. And I'm and not going to say like, was that, that was that? like, that was probably like, I don't know, a year and a half ago. Oh, this Before is very that, recently. Like, so you were yeah, still at Hewitt Packard up until a year and a half. Ago. No, no, I was at Hewitt Packard until 2020, and I, but I was hardcore Bitcoining back then. Okay, okay, okay. Um, but like finding the right, finding the dissident right tribe on Twitter, and like really thinking through, like, man, these guys get it. How can we come together? Like that didn't happen until like a year and a half ago, because I just well, didn't realize there was a whole dissident community like this on Twitter. And by the way, the third community, like if you were to draw a Venn diagram, I would be this Bitcoiner circle, this like dissident right circle. And the third one would be like 3D printing guns. You have like gun CAD, the gun yeah. psychos. Right. And like in the middle is me. And I'm like, we yeah. need to all be fucking friends. We yeah. all are fighting oh, for the dude, same you things. Know, we, just, we just tried to have Cody Wilson at Urban Assembly and he got stopped at customs. Classic. Yeah, so we flew him out, and or Urbit flew him out, and yeah. uh, he didn't show up. He couldn't make it. So his, hey, you know, the, Jessica back. Solsi, this woman just made a documentary about him called Death yeah. Athletic, uh, and she came like in his stead and like talked and stuff. But uh, yeah, he was supposed to be there. He couldn't make. But fun fact on Cody Wilson, um, he was part of the early Austin Bitcoin Club. Yeah, 
back in like 20, like 15 timeframe. And uh, he's one of the founding members of the Satoshi Nakamoto Institute, which is essentially just like five guys that love Bitcoin that were in that Austin scene. So that Austin scene birthed some of the like great Bitcoin thinkers. They've wrote some of the like influential early like Bitcoin think pieces. You've got the 3D gun movement happening down there in Austin. Bitcoin is the, Austin is arguably the biggest Bitcoin hub for development on earth. So like big things happening down there in Texas. Uh, yeah. Also Silk Road guy was an Austin guy too, right? Uh, yeah. So wasn't he? Dude. What's his name again? I forget. Ross. He's in jail. Ross Ulbricht, right? Yep. Yeah. I think he was also Austin. Um, it's funny because your dog is literally like your dog's head is right next to your head. Just like, <laughs> that's a good spot. Um, yeah, it looks like also you have Tim J. Tim Dillon is writing in here. Yeah, well, I had to ask him. I was like, can I please run this? That oh, rant is fucking hilarious. Um, yeah, so like, the idea for the magazine it's like how how can we bitcoin magazine like for the people who are like reading or watching or listening to to this interview it's like it's not only about bitcoin like yes of course bitcoin magazine is the name of our brand the magazine itself but we really see ourselves as like freedom technology publication we're freedom of speech company um and so we're trying to branch out and bring in dissident freedom thinkers and speakers like we feature Whitney Webb, who's like hardcore based conspiracy um, intellectual Aristophanes, Tim Dillon. We had Alex Stein and one of the previous ones. Um, so yeah, we're just, we're just trying to bring people. Bring, you got like, to get, get Lord miles. All right. You want to hear my Lord miles idea? He was just in yeah, urban assembly yeah, yeah. also. So I've had this idea since 2013. I pitched this to my, to 72 and sunny, which was my normie, you know, huge advertising agency. And they almost bought this idea back then. Here's my idea for a content series. Perfect for Bitcoin magazine. We should totally okay. make this happen. It's not, it's not uh written. It it would, I think you'd have to do it video, right? But imagine like visually stun it's Bourdain, but it's like visually stunning. So it's shot with like a red camera. Oh yeah. So it's not like janky, it's like beautiful. But it's like basically Bourdain style. You get somebody like Lord Miles or me or anyone, anyone who does this kind of gonzo thing. And they also the asylum mad guy, Giles, he'd be fucking great for this. Uh, and and you send them across the world. It's the, the, the series is called WWW, all caps, right? And they're they're not going to look at restaurants. They're not going to travel. They're not going to look at all this other shit that you're used to seeing. They're going around and looking at like the mega structures of the internet that you never see anywhere else, right? Yeah. So they're like diving down and like looking at the cables, you know, like the yeah. cables that like in, outside of Alexandria, one of those cables. Yeah, they, like they like the, those cables got cut once, you know. So you go look at the cut and like, see like what happened here? Who is in control of this? You go to like Sealand and look at the server farms, you know, you go to like the Arctic and see these like massive server farms. You go to like, uh, you know, Google like beams down the internet in New Zealand, you know, like, and this is, I haven't even researched this in five years. That was like, this is five-year-old uh, information. 
like I'm sure there's insane uh, Bitcoin farms, right? Or uh, um, mines in China and shit. Oh yeah, you know, They're so it's like, like yeah. without the government's blessing or with their blessing, wink, 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 right? And it's like no one has explored this shit. Because they think, oh, the digital world is just digital. But actually, the digital world is physical. We just don't ever actually see it, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything is physical at the end of the day. Right. Yeah, that's an interesting pitch. I mean, like, I, I we want to do something with him. I think that'd be uh, that'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. You yeah. think you send him something crazy and, like, send a camera with him and let him just be wild? Just let him fucking do it. I mean, like, right. He wants to go to, like, the Darien Gap and, uh, you know, back to Afghanistan and stuff. But he's he's hilarious. He's he's so not what you would expect at all. Like he's the most, like, he's just like a, he's like a funny British kid who with like a ton of energy, like really bright eyed, like does not seem like a journalist at all. Like no darkness about him. Like he's just like a funny guy. Like it, it, I was very impressed by him. Um, yeah. So make the intro. Let's, let's do something. Let's Cause do that it. sounds incredible. Make it happen. I was talking to Mike about it actually. And he was, he was pumped. He's like, let's, let's have a call. Yeah, man. Because I mean, he's like the following that he's gained is unbelievable. I mean, he's like in, in England, he's like a like household name, like everybody, everybody in the entire country. Like apparently he just uh, had a piece on tells from the crypt, which is like a Bitcoiner, one of the biggest Bitcoin um, like podcasts out there. Um, so like he's, he's friendly with, our people, our space, our, our people know him. So we, he calls himself a businessman, you know, which I think is like the best, the whole new age of journalists should just call themselves businessmen. Like if you like that, we should all just be business. Are you sure it's not a poet? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Fuck no. I saw that that's, tweet. That's the opposite. dude. Yeah, poets yeah. the fucking opposite. It's like <laughs> the only writers are poets and businessmen. Like which side are you on? Like you better be on the fucking business side. Um, all right. So what's, what's up next for you guys? What's, uh, what are the plans coming up? Um, and we're, uh, so we're selling all this fed now merch, which is just hilarious. Hopefully we don't really, yeah, that's just huge. Um, our latest issue is on trucks being driven down from Canada to Nashville to our warehouse. Um, we're going to announce that probably next week. Uh, we have a pretty big name on the front of it which people will either like or not like, probably not. And we'll probably get some hate. People always hate on us. Uh, you can never make people happy. Uh, but then, yeah, we're already working on the next print, which is uh, going to be called the inscription issue. Uh, so we're going to do some really weird, cool stuff about um, how to share information on the Bitcoin blockchain. Uh, you might remember I, I slid in your DMs and was telling you about um uh, writing files to the blockchain and like how it's completely uncensorable um, sent that to you, I think a couple of weeks ago. And then also uh, this new emerging protocol right. called Noster, which is a decentralized social network that actually might work. Um, so like there's all kinds of really weird, cool stuff happening in Bitcoin world. And, uh, and that's yeah, we're transcription. Uh, inscription. Inscription. So it's, it's yeah. inscribing things on the blockchain itself in the blocks. Yeah, correct. Because you uh, can do that. It's a database. Yeah. Isn't it just the link though? You can't no. actually write it in there, can you? That's the big difference between Bitcoin and the shit coins. This is yeah. new tech as of the past year. Um, this didn't exist before. So for us on the oh, Assange wow, issue, we, uh, we put a, a four megabyte picture of the Julian Assange cover that you have there in your hands. Uh, that's the biggest uh, file that's ever been written to the blockchain. 
And as the price of Bitcoin goes up, like there will be more demand for that block space. Like there probably will never be a file that big ever again, put it on the blockchain. But um, yeah, what's pretty interesting it's is- the like, code or it's like an actual like image? The file is there. It's on everyone's computer on earth. So you mean, well, wait, what do you mean it's in, on everybody's computer on earth? If you run Bitcoin. If you run Bitcoin, yeah. Yep. So, but- you Have but, everything uh, that's been written. Yeah, of course. But I mean, like when you're saying it's the file, you mean it's the code of the file. I mean, the JPEG is there on the blockchain. It's literally there. It's not literally... a representation of it. The file is there. And this has some very fucked up implications. Yeah, it sure does. Because I thought you couldn't do that. I always heard that that was not possible. You can. Uh, wow. So inscription um, is... Inscriptions are part of a protocol, a meta protocol. So it's a protocol on top of Bitcoin called yeah. ordinals. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so like the thing is like ordinals and inscriptions follow Bitcoin rules. So um, as you know, whenever you send Bitcoin, uh, you have to pay a fee to have it written to the blockchain. The blockchain only has so much space in every fucking block. Like that's one of like the constraints that gives it value. Um, so if you want to write something, you have to, you have to outpay someone else who would want that space in order for you to get that space to write your file. I hope that makes sense. So there's a free market. There's a free market for block space. Yeah. If you're willing to pay for it, you can write it to the blockchain because a miner, the guy who collects the fee, he don't give a fuck. He just wants the fee. He's running a business. Right. Um, so anyway, yeah, you run the full, if you run Bitcoin core, on your computer, uh, you have every inscription that's been out there. You have a copy of that Assange file. And then there's some other just like very interesting files that have been written. And what, what's crazy is that you can't censor yeah, it's this blockchain. Everybody. Right, yeah, it's it's always there. And yeah, I mean, that's a big use case for Urbit, right? Because Urbit, Urbit is in a way a like personal blockchain. It's like every keystroke you've ever made. That's what an Urbit is. An urban okay. is every key, an, an immutable copy of every keystroke you've ever made, at least in using your urban. So that's like a big part of the idea is like, I'm actually about to publish a piece on uh, going to Texas and like researching helium, the the gas. Uh, and I'm publishing it on Urbit Studio, which is theoretically, um, you know, immutable substack. Whether or not, you know, how true that is, it gets complicated, but, but yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. the thing would be like, what makes it immutable, I guess, like who's maintaining the database? Where's the database located? Exactly. Um, exactly. I mean, the, 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 you could write it to Bitcoin. You could inscribe the article and it'd be there for so Has anybody ever done that? Has everybody inscribed articles in the Bitcoin? Yeah. Yeah. We're like the whole Bible's inscribed already. I mean, like, really? You know, yeah, yeah. So that was one of the first things that people were like, yo, okay, this text here. And then like King James version was there immediately. <laughs> um, but uh, you're seeing some really interesting things happen there. I don't want to turn into like a, an inscription call, but the inscription, like they continue to develop and find efficiencies. So they're finding ways that you are able to uh, reference inscriptions. So you're seeing like web pages being built on the blockchain, like HTML web pages that are then referencing other inscriptions to bring in images and CSS and SVGs. And you're able to, you're seeing uh, complete games being built in an inscription on the Bitcoin blockchain. 
uh, because like all these libraries and asset resources are being like inscribed over time. So now builders can go just reference them and point them and with very lean code, do some very exciting shit. Uh, so yeah, we're starting to see some like cool multimedia stuff with, uh, you know, video and audio being written to the blockchain. Um, we're working with someone, we're talking about in the next issue, inscribing the whole magazine, finding real efficient ways to do it using like SVGs, which, you know, you can get SVGs super tiny the way that they're architected. Um, so yeah, I mean, you're gonna, it's it's kind of like the wild west for building on Bitcoin. I would say that. Very cool. So what happens after the whatever millionth, 40 millionth, is it 40 million? How many, how many is it? 21 million. 21 million. After the 21st millionth block is uh, mined, the chain still keeps going, right? I mean, it, it doesn't, it, it doesn't stop. The blockchain still is active. So what happens oh, yeah, to the actual that, chain? That means that uh, whenever a block reward, uh, that will stop. So it's essentially like a subsidy to miners. Um, so right, right now, whenever a block is mined, um, a miner will get a block reward, which is part of the algorithm, 6.25 Bitcoin, plus all the fees, the most expensive fees of everyone who wants their transaction to be in the next block. So they get a combination of block subsidy plus the fees for that block. And then as soon as that block is found, everyone starts rolling the dice and trying to find the next block. When the next block is found, that miner will get the block subsidy, which is 6.25 Bitcoin, and plus all the fees for that block. Yeah. And so if I'm way down here, if I'm like 10 blocks deep and I want to pay more money and get priority to be in the next block, you can do that because the fee markets, you can bump your fee. And miners will absolutely include your fee. They want more money. Um, so after 2140, when all the block subsidy blocks are mined, Bitcoin will operate only on fee market. It will so not be just way less. You won't get the reward. Right. But that that right now, fees make up around 10% of revenue for miners. When the halving happens, that'll increase to like 30%. Right. Yeah. Right. Because the amount of block reward gets cut in half. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then like eventually we call that the security budget. Like how many dollars per day are miners getting paid to mine Bitcoin? Because more miners, that's more secure. We call that security budget. Uh, so presumably there will be a flippening of uh, fees outweighing reward. Subsidy. Right. Yeah. Like yeah. it'll be the reward will go down to one and the fees will be like 80%. When you see an insane, just like the bull market happen, when we hit 100K, 500K, $1 million Bitcoin, which would be in the next five years, uh, absolutely will be in the next five years. You know, you'll probably see those kind of things happen because people are going to be getting insane to buy, send, get their Bitcoin off exchange. Uh, but what happens is Bitcoiners keep building and they find novel ways to send Bitcoin on layer two. And uh, Bitcoiners will find a way. There, there's more efficient ways to send Bitcoin off of chain. Uh, so but that's what where happens. Lightning like network. The, these Bitcoin mines that people have, right? Like you can buy into a Bitcoin mine and you can buy your own Bitcoin miner. Like you can buy your actual module, right? And it's yeah, like- Yeah, I got one here in the office. Oh, wow. Here, I'll just pull it up here. 
this is the old one. This is like last generation. But wow. Like, this is like uh probably goes for 125 bucks now. At the peak of the last bull run, it was like 500 bucks. Uh, but this was like the hot shit in 2017. So is that mining Bitcoin right now, that thing, or no? Well, it's not plugged in, but it's a good foot warmer. When it gets a little bit colder in here, it's going to be a nice <laughs> foot warmer that spits out Bitcoin. So it's like, uh, you know, why have a regular heater, space heater, when you can have one that makes Bitcoin? Well, but it, so here's my question. Yeah, yes. That thing know. only spits out Bitcoin <laughs> if it mines the coin, right? Not necessarily. Um, so how does that work? How does it like distribute it? So like if you were uh, what's called solo mining, which means that you're mining by yourself. Sorry, my dogs are going ham. Oh, I see. You anyway, join like a network. I get it. Okay. It's called a pool. So yeah, you pull yeah. resources together. And then these pools, mathematically, they find X amount of blocks per day. And then depending on what your share of the pie is for contributing work, yeah. They will send that reward to you daily. And they just assume inevitably they're going to mint a coin or they're just doing it from the fees. It depends. There's different models for the pools. For different pools. Um, like there's there's one called a brains pool and you only get paid if when you find blocks on the pool. But there's a lot of people in that pool together. It's a very like OG Bitcoin pool. Yeah. Uh, then there's another one that's like based in the US. It's named Luxor and they have the same payout every day depending on your hash rate, they take on some risk. Yeah. But the way Bitcoin math is, it's complete randomness. And if you throw enough work at it over time, it's going to average out. Like yeah. your amount of reward is going to be proportionate to the amount of work that you put out there. It's just the way the math works out. Another just fucking insane thing. Well, it's, it's like buying a certain number of lottery tickets. Like you can algorithmically like balance it out over time. Yeah. 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 Cool, man. Well, dude, thank you so much. I, I love uh, your passion is contagious, man. It's contagious. So th thank Let's you. I, you got me all excited about Bitcoin again. I also I appreciate you. Um, you know, I, I haven't I just because I don't pay attention to these things like I hadn't really understood the line between Bitcoin and the shit coins. I thought it was a little more vague, but I think thinking of it the way you're thinking about it is probably the best wedge. It's just like there's Bitcoin and then there's everything else and don't try and like figure don't out. Don't try to be a smart anything. guy. Yeah, right. You should just <laughs> buy some. Don't try to time the market. Uh, you are very early still. Don't yeah. beat yourself up because you didn't buy five years ago. Um, that doesn't do any good. We're going to go higher. Uh, everything I'm just going to keep going with the memes. Everything is a shit coin. Real estate's a shit coin. Gold is a shit coin. Nothing is actually provably scarce like Bitcoin. Everything is trending to zero priced in Bitcoin. Bitcoin will go up forever because infinity divided by 21 million. Uh, Bitcoin is the way Bitcoin fixes this orange coin good number go up like all the things like cringe a little bit but like bitcoin does fix this fuck the fed uh i would say like right wingers fuck start thinking about money yeah. start realizing you're using the enemy's money and the enemy yeah. is the state okay and like our our competition our enemy understands that and they use it and they suckle up to the tit of the state so like Let's use some freedom money and like, just fuck them. Let's build a parallel system. Love it, man. That's like, yeah, it's all, all the based products. It really, you got to buy them with the based money. Um, 
Cool, man. Well, dude, thank you so much. Uh, yeah, let's let's obviously stay in touch. And um, where should we send people? I guess. I mean, yeah. What do you? What, you're the print guy, but are you guys looking to increase your? I'm looking at BitcoinMagazine.com right now. Yeah, dude, uh, we want subscribers. Do you want like? like uh, digi- do you want a lot of like online traffic, or is that not important? Like, what what are you? Are you kidding me, dude? We're fucking media companies. Like, we need all the hits. BitcoinMagazine.com. We do a daily newsletter. Uh, you should absolutely subscribe to this print magazine. We're not going to spam you. It's going to be once a quarter. It's super high quality. Uh, you should slide in my DMs and tell me um, who who you want to see from the distant. What what frogs you want to see in the magazine? Because we'll we'll go out there and get them. Uh, you can what find kind of stuff on, do you uh, want? I mean, like, what what does Aristophanes write for you? Man, he just writes like from from the right wingers' point of like worldview. Um, I mean, he just consistently base takes. Uh, the first one that he about wrote was money, this, though. Like, is it about money or is it about no? Anything? No, it's like, like commentary on culture. It's it's awesome. He really does a great job. Yeah, man. man I mean, Trump I did an insane esoteric piece it was like ten thousand words it was insane i was like dude this should not go but we're gonna run it because like yeah. let's go um because <laughs> why not? but yeah like aristophanes it was that first twitter thread that i found from him last summer and um it was about um how we're gonna win because um essentially the state fragmented 4chan and all the frogs split and like they took all the stuff they learned from 4chan and went to the normie world and now the frogs are just like fucking everywhere. And like, we're spreading like wildfire. I mean, it, it's such an incredible thread. And yeah, we ran that one. That was, that was my gateway. The chaffening. Or no, sorry, that was Schwab. The chaffening. Nice. Very cool. Yeah, no, I, I, I like Aristo. We're in all the same uh, GC, GCs. And great, at least, at least the ones that will allow me in as a, as a face fag, which are not the really cool ones. They won't let you in if you're, you're a face. Yep. Yep. Anons, man. You got to love it. Yeah. I mean, you know, I have my frustrations with, with them. I go in waves, you know, I go in waves of disgust and then love it's back and forth. Love, hate. Uh, <laughs> but um, no, so those are heroes. definitely, definitely my guys, you know, I, I, but uh, yeah. Anyway. All right. Yeah. Making the rubber meet the road here with, with money and with our guys and with culture all together. So yeah, man, thanks for joining. And uh, yeah, we'll send people, we'll send people your way. Can we put your Twitter in there? Uh, yeah, nah, let's not. Okay. We don't, we don't, we don't need to. Okay, cool. Cool, man. Thanks. Bye Isaac.